Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. greatest thing that you can ever encounter in your life. Amen. The presence of the Lord is when he makes himself known, when he makes his, his presence known. And it's, it's the, it means the greatest place that you could ever choose to be is in his presence. Uh, David said in, in Psalm 16 that in his presence is fullness of joy. So there is no greater high, there is no greater joy, there is no deeper sense of satisfaction that a person can ever have outside of the presence of God. The greatest satisfaction, the greatest joy that you'll ever experience is in his presence. And the good news is you can live in his presence. You don't have to just have his presence at church. There doesn't have to be a worship team in your bathroom, uh, you know, Monday morning while you're brushing your teeth. You can just experience the presence of God all the time. When, when the unction of God, when the anointing comes on our lives, all God is looking for is willingness and availability. If you want the presence of God in your life, choose to be available to him all the time. That's all it takes. You don't have to add anything to God. Amen. When the presence of the Lord comes, you don't have to add your intelligence to it. You don't have to add your opinion to it. Just yield to his presence. That's all he's looking for, is people who are willing to yield to him. Amen? So praise God. I don't want to get off track with, well, I kind of do, but that's all right. Praise God. Um, Hallelujah. What was the other announcement that I had? Oh, yeah, Mother's Day next week. Next Sunday, week from today, we're going to be honoring mothers. So if you're a mother... Come, bring your family. If you want to bring your mom with you, if she lives in the area, my mom lives in New York with my dad, so I, I'll have to send her love from a distance for Mother's Day. But we want to celebrate moms next week, so uh, we invite you to come. You'll see some information on, uh, on our social media, and uh, so you can find out more about that. Amen. I am not good at announcements. Not when I got a message to preach. Ah, glory to God. Praise the Lord. We just need to live in his presence, guys. We need to live in his anointing. We need to live... We need to live in communion with him. Those who change the world are the ones who figured out how to quiet the noise and the distraction of life and be able to focus on him. Those who change the world are the ones that invite Jesus and invite the presence of God to take over their lives. And Jesus becomes everything to them. They learn how to seek first the kingdom and the kingdom invades everything that they do. They become conduits of heaven. They become conduits of what God wants to do in the earth. And that is so exciting to me. So I would just encourage you this morning, just make yourself available to God. He's not looking for anything except availability. Amen? Praise God. Amen. All right, well, let's preach about what we came here to preach about this morning. I had actually had actually decided to go a different direction earlier in the week. Um, I have a couple series that 
that I want to get started. Two different series, as a matter of fact. Um, one of them is on the book of Colossians. I really want to do a nice, extended, six, eight-week exegetical, you know, uh, series on the book of Colossians, and we will uh, very soon. I also have another series that's brewing in my heart about how to grow up in God and grow up in the things of God amidst a world that wants to keep you babied. Uh, I don't know if you realize society really wants to keep you immature. And so uh, this is a series I can't wait to get to. I'm still churning through it in my heart, but we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about distraction. We're going to talk about gossip. We're going to talk about uh, fear of missing out, FOMO. We're going to talk about all these things that society has pitched against the church to keep the church babied. Because if you're, if you're a spiritual baby, it's very difficult for you to make an impact in the world. You're still going to go to heaven and Jesus doesn't love you any less, but he wants you to grow up, right? Any parents want their kids to grow up? Amen. Amen. It's, oh, thank you. Yeah, praise God. We want our kids to grow up, not for our sake, for their sake. And God wants you to grow and develop in the things of God. And so, um, so these are some series that I've been pondering, figuring out which direction to go. And as I've been pondering them, I've been getting little things to teach on, kind of one-off messages over the past couple weeks. And so I had decided on a direction uh, to go this morning. And yesterday, during, some, during just a time of prayer, the Holy Spirit just totally shifted gears. And so I didn't really, we had the ballet yesterday and the recital, so we, we were at the auditorium at 9.30 in the morning and stayed there until almost 2 o'clock and then we came home and rested for a little bit and then went back and were there. I didn't get home till almost 11 last night. Um, and so I didn't really have a lot of time to study, but I knew that if God had something he wanted to say, if he shifted and adjusted our direction, that he would do the talking and it wouldn't have to come from me. Amen. Does that make sense? So I trust this morning that you're not going to get my intellect. I'm not interested in you getting my intellect. I want you to hear from heaven today. Amen. Who's interested in hearing from heaven this morning? Praise God. So I want to ask you as we begin, actually, let's make our confession of faith. I almost forgot to do this. Hallelujah. It's my favorite part of the service. You see what's up there on the screen. Let's confess that and declare it today. This is totally based in scripture, by the way. This uh, confession of faith that God gave us comes right out of Ephesians chapter one. Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus and he's praying that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they would know some stuff from the kingdom of God, from the spirit of God. And so that's where we get this verbiage from. And so we're gonna declare this over our lives today. Let's declare it together. Thank you, Father, that today... The eyes of my heart see you, the ears of my heart hear you, my heart and mind perceive and understand your word and your will. Today, I am growing in the things of God. Amen. So, Father, we thank you that we're growing in the things of God this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us and that our ears are open, our eyes are open. We're ready to receive from you, Lord. So we invite you to have your way. Do in us all that you desire to do. Speak to us all the things that you desire to speak, and we'll be careful to listen and to do and apply 
those things that we hear this morning. So we thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to take a moment to consider it before you answer it. How, how many people, how many of you in here this morning would desire to be used by God in a greater way? Think about that before you answer it. Amen. Thank you, brother. Don't you, don't you want to be used by God in a greater way? I think that we, we pray and we ask the Lord, we say like, use me, God, use me, use me. And then we circumvent one of the first steps that he has in store for those who want to be used. We say, Lord, I want to do your will. I want to be used by you. And then God says, okay, here's how I'm going to use you. And we just go, well, not that way. Now, I'd like to go, I'd like to preach to 50,000 in India, Lord. Can we make that happen? Lord, I want to I wanna be used by you. I want to, oh, praise God, Lord, I just want you to use me. Use me, Lord. And then the Lord says, all right, why don't you witness to your coworker? We say, no, no, God, you don't understand. You don't understand. I want to be used. The Spirit of God began to, yesterday morning, highlight for me what I believe is one of the primary ways that God chooses to use people in the body of Christ. Yet it's one that we, oftentimes, as the body of Christ, we, we skip it over, we skip it all together. And that is that God wants to use us to make an impact through prayer. I want to talk to you today about a selfless prayer life. Don't all shout me down with amens at the same time. I want to talk to you about a selfless prayer life today. What if you were not always the center of your prayers? What if your life and your family and your stuff, I'm not telling you not to pray for your family, but what if, what if your life was so satisfied in God that you could shift your prayer life to begin to be used by God in prayer to impact and affect things outside of just you and yours? Wouldn't that be cool? I think we... I think we never, sometimes we never get beyond our own needs in our prayer life. And if, it, to be honest with you, if you spent the rest of your Christian life that way, Jesus would still love you. You'd still go to heaven. You'd still be with him for eternity. You, you could still have access to his presence and enjoy him. You could still find value in, and joy and life in his word. You could still relate to him. But you would just miss out on an opportunity to be used by him in a greater measure. And I don't know about you guys, but I go through my life, and I say every day I'm going, Lord, what, I want to make an impact. I, I don't, I'm just not here just to make a living. I want to make a mark. I want to leave a mark on society for your kingdom. I want to, I man, I want to do something for your kingdom, Lord. Amen. It's not a works mentality. It's just, it's just that I always want to be effective in the things of God in my life. That's a real desire of my Lord. I want to be effective. So I invite you to adjust me, tweak me as I need to be tweaked. Anybody need to be tweaked? Anybody ever gone to the chiropractor and you got tweaked? It's a great day, amen? It's a great feeling. 
So I believe one of the ways that God uses us profoundly as the body of Christ is in a selfless prayer life. It's unfortunate, but many, if not most, Christians don't really have much of a prayer life. They pray when the going gets tough. Anybody besides me ever done that? You pray when the going gets tough? Well, Lord, we've really tried to do everything we could here. There's nothing left to do but to pray. Now, you ought to have a rich prayer life with God. Amen. When I begin to pray, particularly when I'm praying in the Spirit, man, stuff gets stirred up on the inside of me. God begins to speak to me, begins to work in my life, and I want that experience for everybody. Amen. So let's look at some scripture. What do you think about that? Let's look at some scripture. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. I was just here, we were just here together in Ephesians 6 just a few weeks ago talking about the armor of God. When we got down to prayer, we're going to look at verse 18 of Ephesians 6. When we got down to prayer, Paul says, praying always. Praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful unto this end. With Oh, there it is. With all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We're going to talk about a few of these words that are in here this morning. Praying always. How much? Always. always. Just when it gets tough? Mm-mm. How about if you prayed when everything was fantastic? Just a thought. What if we prayed when everything was stupendous? What if we prayed to say thank you when everything's going great? Not just wait until the world's falling apart. Pray at all times. I like this. What is this, the Amplified? Yeah. Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. There's some really cool, really cool words in here that I want us to take a look at. And I want to challenge you this morning to go beyond yourself when it comes to your prayer life and really begin to go after what God wants in reaching the world, in reaching the lost, in praying for your community. I realized that I was thinking about Acts chapter 2 this week. When the Holy Spirit came and breathed upon the church and the the 120 disciples were in the upper room, they were fearing for the Jews and the Bible says suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting there, appeared upon them each individual tongues of fire and they were all filled with the Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as he gave them utterance and I was thinking about that and I was like, man, Lord, what would happen if a whole group of people just got impacted by your Spirit? What if they felt the wind of heaven come? and change their life. And the Holy Spirit said, I'll tell you what would happen. Two things. Everybody in the house would get filled. Everybody outside the house would get saved. Go back and read the book of Acts. You know what happened? 120 people got filled with the Spirit. 3,000 outside got saved. The Holy Ghost party that was happening upstairs in the upper room spilled out into the streets and Peter stands up and preaches a message under the unction of the Holy Ghost and everybody gets saved. What would happen if you and I shifted in our prayer life to not just pray about me, but what if I could go beyond that and start to pray for my community? 
What would happen? Everybody in your house would get filled and everybody outside your house would get saved. You'd become a walking evangelist. You'd become somebody that God can really use. Amen. It's a yielded life, a life of prayer. Ephesians chapter six, let's look at this. It says, praying always with all prayer. Before we go any farther than that, you know me, I'm a Greek nerd. This word always is three words in the Greek. Don't you love when the English language falls short like that? (laughs) Always, praying always. In the Greek, it's the word en paskairos, en paskairos, three words. En means in, pas means all, all all-inclusive, everything. And then the word kairos is so special, it's so significant. En paskairos, praying en paskairos in all times. The word kairos is a special word. There are two words, let me give you a Greek lesson. There's two words in the Greek for time. The first is the word chronos or chronos. Some of you may have heard this before. The first word chronos, we we get the word chronology or, you know, chronometer, chronograph. If if you like fancy watches like I do, you you know what a chronometer is or chronograph. A chronograph is a movement inside a watch. It's... It, it speaks to the mechanism of time. The word chronos speaks to the minutes, the seconds, the hours, anything that you use to measure time. And then there's the word kairos, which means something totally different. And that's the word that's used here. The word kairos means, it means time, but it means a significant moment of time. Not just the tools we use to measure time, that's chronos, but kairos means a God-appointed moment, a significant moment in time. Like your birthday is a significant moment. Your anniversary is a significant moment. The day your children are born, that's a significant moment, right? And there's all these significant moments that we experience in our lives, They're happening around us all the time. It's not just an arbitrary. When he says praying always, he's not just saying try to fill up every second of every day with prayer. That would be impossible. I mean, you got to go to bed sometime, don't you? I mean, what does he he mean? He says it over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 as well. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Well, Jesus, I I mean, like in the bathroom? Like like during a conversation? how, How does that work? Pray without ceasing. He says, pray en paskairos, pray at all significant times. What does that mean? It means this. If you're taking notes, please write this down. If you're not taking notes, please write this down. Here's what it means. Praying in every significant moment, every significant moment of your life should be undergirded and supported by prayer. If you want to know how to be used by God, find opportunities in significant moments of life to pray and put him first. That's what it means to pray always. Every significant moment in life needs to be undergirded in prayer. Amen. Amen. Now let's keep going through this verse. 
praying always. With all prayer, the Greek there could say all kinds of prayer. All types of prayer. There's more than one kind of prayer. All kinds of prayer and supplication. What's this word supplication mean? It means a need or a want or a strong desire. A seeking, an asking, an entreating. Think about a man standing before a king asking him something. You know what, you know what came to my mind when I was looking at that word supplication? Did you all ever watch The Emperor's New Groove on Disney? You, you remember when the big guy, what's his name, Pacha? Yeah, remember when Pacha goes before the emperor and he's trying to get the emperor not to build his pool uh, you know, into, on top of his house? That's, that's the word supplication. It means to go before an authority and ask. God invites us in Ephesians 6 to go before him as an authority and ask some things on somebody else's behalf. What if you got beyond just praying for your own family and you said, Lord, I'm, I'm discovering needs in my community. I'm discovering needs in our church. I'm discovering needs in the lives of people that I interact with. I want to come to you on behalf of those people and supplicate for them. It's mighty quiet in this church this morning. I hope this challenges us. Amen. If you, if you really want to be used by God, it's a selfless lifestyle. Doesn't mean that your needs aren't taken care of. Doesn't mean that you can't, you know, take care of things. Just means that God gets to take care of the stuff for you. Amen. When we seek first the kingdom, everything that we need gets added to us. Added means there's no work. I'm not trying to do it. He's doing it for me on my behalf. So Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now that's a very important word. That's a very important concept that we do these things in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, as a, as a charismatic kid from my youth, some of the greatest times in my life have been when I've been praying in the Spirit, when I've been praying in other tongues, and God moves significantly in me or through me. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever been able to witness have happened as a result of praying in the Spirit, praying in other tongues. So he says, being, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. What would happen if we did that and were watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints? What does it mean to be watchful? It means I'm on the lookout for opportunity to supplicate for somebody else. Amen. What does it mean that I am watchful? It means I'm on the lookout to go to God on behalf of somebody else and pray for them selflessly. One of the things I've discovered is that when I do that, tremendous anointing enters into my prayer life. I'll show you why in just a second. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. Got a handful of scriptures to throw at you this morning. Are you doing okay so far? All right, good. This is so cool. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. We're going to stick with this idea of supplicating because it really, it really means to pray for somebody else and for somebody else's needs. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Somebody say, that's me. 
Come on, say it like you believe it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. That's me. Tell your neighbor, that's me. I'm righteous. I'm not a sinner. I'm not begging from outside the court. I'm in the, I'm in the holy of holies with the king himself. And all I have to do is turn and ask him, Daddy, Dad, Lord, Johnny's got a need. Susie's got a need. This one's got a need. This one's got a need. Lord, I want to come to you on behalf of them. I'm supplicating. I've been watchful, Father. And I know that your eyes are on the righteous. And what else? His ears are open to their prayers. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. So God is watching you. God's eyes are on you. He can, he's concerned for you. We talked last week. If you, didn't, if you weren't here last week, go get the message on the podcast. It was great. Amen. I got stirred up listening to my own preaching this past week. It was it's, it's awkward. <laughs> I'll just tell you what, it was all God, man. But I was just like, wow, that really blessed me later. But we talked last week about casting our care upon the Lord. Do you realize his eyes are on you because he cares for you? That's what the Bible says. He cares for you. So his eyes are on you, the righteous man, the righteous woman, the one who's been covered in the blood of Jesus, who's in that new covenant we talked about in communion. His eyes are on you, and his ears are open to your prayer. What does that mean? That means that prayer gets God's attention. Prayer gets God's attention. Amen. His eyes are on you, and his ears are open to you and to your prayer. Now, go continue with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. If, if prayer gets God's attention, if his eyes are open to me as a righteous person, and his ears are open to my prayer, then here's the, the advice that Paul gives us. With that in mind... Paul says in verse 1 of Timothy chapter 2, he says, Therefore, I exhort, or in other words, here's my advice. I exhort first of all. Everybody say, first. Prayer does not need to be the last option in your life. It doesn't need to be the thing you do when all of your other efforts have failed. First, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, there's that word again, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. That scripture should not give you goosebumps. It's not one of those goosebumpy scriptures. It's one of those, oh man, I've got some responsibility scriptures. You know that this, the, the all men that's included in this is the guy you don't like at work? Oh, sorry, I know all of y'all work at jobs where there's no problems ever. I guess the Lord's just talking to me in this scripture. Just kidding, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon and I share an office. It's just the two of us. <laughs> I'm just playing. 
Now, this, this, this includes everybody in your life. This includes people in your community. This, this includes politicians you can't stand. This includes enemies in the community. So, quote-unquote, enemies. People that don't like you, you're not too crazy about them. You rub each other the wrong way. It doesn't always work out. You're supposed to pray for those people. You're actually supposed to supplicate. You are supposed to go to God on their behalf. Lord, please bless this person. In Jesus' name. See, there's a political spirit in our, in our society that is constantly working to push against the fabric of our relationships. If you go look at Ephesians chapter 4, you can find out that the body, is, the body of Christ is knit together. So no matter win, lose, or draw, whether I like you or not, whether you like me or not, we're knit together. And the devil is constantly trying to pull apart the fabric of our relationships. What holds it together so we pray for each other. So we, when we put our own needs on the shelf and we begin to supplicate for each other. When I found out Robin was going to the, to the emergency room, I stopped everything I was doing. I said, Lord, I gotta pray for her right now. Right? See, it's, there's kind of a, a selflessness involved in this. You may, have to, you may have to turn the television off. You may have to go back to binge watching later after we do some heavenly business. Come on, don't, don't say amen all at the same time. <clears throat> he says, go back to verse one, please. He says, this is my advice. This is my exhortation to you. First of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Ouch. Ouch. You mean I gotta give thanks for that politician that I can't stand? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why do, why do I have to do this? Why, why, is, why is Paul exhorting me that this is his advice for how I can live as a Christian? It's because when I begin to supplicate and pray and intercede and give thanks, I am becoming used by God. Scripture talks about us being meat for the master's use. That's not meat like a cheeseburger. That's meat like Abel. It's an old English word. Meat for the master's use. I am able, I'm qualified to be used by God. Every one of you, every one of us is qualified to be used by God. What does it require? It just requires some willingness. What if, what if I just didn't, didn't care only about my needs? What if I started to go outside of myself and outside of just me and mine and supplicate for you? And what if you did the same for me? What would, what would our relationship look like? We'd become tools in the hands of our Father. Look, if you would, I want to show you an example of this before we close. If you'd go to Colossians Y'all doing okay? You can hang with me for another couple minutes? All right. Colossians chapter one. I understand this is not a jump up and run the aisles with excitement kind of message, but it's one that'll make a deeper impact in your life than just running a circle, running a lap of, of excitement. Amen. Colossians chapter one. 
We're going to talk in two, two different verses in Colossians. We're going to talk about our buddy Epaphras. He's going to become your new best friend, Epaphras. Anybody remember Epaphras from the scripture? Probably not. Verse 7 of Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read a few verses here. It says, as you also learned from Epaphras. Aren't you glad your name's not Epaphras? I am. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul is introducing us, go back to verse 7 there on the screen, Paul is introducing us to this guy, Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister. I want you to put two words together, minister and servant. Anybody that thinks that preaching is glamorous and is all about Hollywood didn't read this verse. You've also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. This guy, we're going to find out as we keep reading and as we read in another passage, we're going to find out this guy was a prayer who had other people on his heart. It's amazing. Epaphras is one of the greatest scriptural examples that I know of, that I could find, of a person who prays for somebody else. And watch the results that come from that. So let's keep going. You also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. Verse 9, for this reason, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, since the day we heard of what? Since the day we heard of your love for God in the Spirit. Paul's saying, Epaphras came to us and told us all about the fact that you love Jesus now and that you're part of the body of Christ. And ever since he did that, for this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you. What's Paul saying? Soon as I heard you were part of the body of Christ, I started immediately to pray for you. Just like Epaphras. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. What is at stake when we pray for people or when we don't pray for people? Them understanding the knowledge of God's will for their life. I wonder, please hear me, I wonder if we wouldn't see a shift in people's lives. One of the one of the prayers that I hear the most as a pastor, and I've got a lot of pastor friends and they all say the same thing. One of the, one of the prayers that we hear, requests we hear more often than any other one is for wisdom and direction regarding the will of God. Pastor, I got a decision to make and I don't know what to do. I hear that prayer, I mean, I hear it all the time. More than any other prayer, Lord, I, I need wisdom. Pastor, will you agree with me? I need wisdom. I need direction. I need to know what the will of God is. What if we got like Epaphras? I wonder if we'd see a change in the body of Christ if everybody began to pray and did not cease to pray for each other and supplicate on behalf of a person in the throne with God. What if we supplicated for each other? Do you think we might see an increase in the knowledge of his will? Just a thought. In all wisdom and spiritual 
understanding that you may walk fully, or excuse me, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Man, if, as we pray for our community, guess what we're going to see increase? Fruitfulness in every good work, increase in the knowledge of God. What if rather than get mad about the millennial generation and the direction they're heading, what if instead of that we just prayed for them? We prayed for the wisdom of God to impact their spirit. What about that? I was in a coffee shop this morning on my way in here, and I looked around in this coffee shop, and I love this coffee shop, and it was filled with people who are not saved. And it was very evident that they were not saved by what they were doing and saying and the products that they were displaying. I'm going, this place is filled with the world right now. What if instead of getting angry at that, we flipped it on its head and started to pray that God would impact them with the knowledge of him and his will? What if instead of getting angry when I see something happen on campus at ASU that I don't like and I go, wow, the devil's out to get people. What if I just stopped complaining about that and just started interceding and supplicating for our community? What would happen? Many would walk worthy of the Lord. Many would be fully pleasing him. Many would be fruitful in every good work. The knowledge of God would begin to blanket our community. I'm not saying you're not doing this. I'm not saying I'm not doing it, but couldn't we grow in it? Think we could increase? I do. Now, watch, watch Epaphras. Let's jump to, to chapter four. Same book, Colossians. Look at this. I'm gonna read two verses, make one comment, and we'll be done. Colossians four, verse 13. This is right at the end of the book now. Paul mentions Epaphras in the first chapter and the last chapter. Let's read, let's read verse 12, and we'll read down from there. I hope this is helping you this morning. I hope this is challenging you this morning. Verse 12, Epaphras, there he is again, who is one of you. Mm. Boy, we could take off and run on that but we won't for time. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that what? Man, this is awesome. This is, oh, this is huge. Touch your neighbor say, this is huge. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. What am I praying for? When I pray for you, what am I praying for? I'm praying that you stand perfect and complete in the will of God. I want God's will for you a lot. What if we took that posture for the people around us? Not just for the people we like, but for the people that rub us the wrong way, for the people that frustrate us. What if in spite of everything that somebody has done for you, you thank God for them and pray selflessly for them that they may stand perfect and complete in the will of God? Oh, so-and-so wronged me. So-and-so cut me off. So-and-so in my family doesn't like me. They talk about me. They say bad things about me. They ruined my life. 
What if instead of focusing on that, we just shifted, we became like, like Epaphras, and we prayed that that person may stand perfect and complete in the will of God. That word complete in the, in the Greek, I'm 99% sure, I haven't looked at it in a little while, but it's the word telos. It appears all over the New Testament. It's the word we get mature. It's the word Jesus said when he said, it is finished on the cross. It appears all over scripture. I'm 99% sure it's what that is there. Again, the Lord changed my message yesterday, so you gotta give me, some, give me a little slack. That you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God's word telos means it's equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom. We like to say it around here, nothing missing, nothing broken. What if I began to pray for my spouse, my kids, my next door neighbor, the politicians in my community, the people that I do business with, the people that I interact with, my enemies? What if I pray that they would be nothing, would have nothing missing and nothing broken in their life? Oh my God. What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. It would hasten the return of Jesus. But that's another message for another time. That you may stand perfect and complete in the will of God, verse 13. For I bear him, this is still talking about Epaphras, I bear him witness that he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. This is, this is such a cool scripture. It's one of the ones that you would just pass over when reading casually. Paul says, I bear him witness that he has what? Great zeal for you. And those who are in Laodicea and Hierapolis, this guy Epaphras had so mastered the art of selfless prayer that he didn't just pray for him and his. He didn't just pray for a church. He prayed for three whole cities. Wow. I bear him witness he has great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those who are in Hierapolis. This guy is taking Jesus' advice and he's winning cities. How's he winning cities? He's doing it before God in prayer because of his great zeal. You know what the word zeal means? It means excitement of mind, fervor of spirit. If you drill, this is the funniest thing to me, if you drill down into the word zeal, do you know what it comes from? The Greek word that means heat. Let me give you a practical example. When I met my wife, I had the hots for her. Still do. When I met my wife, I had the hots for her. You ever hear anybody say that? I had the hots for her. What does it mean? I was zealous about her. It stirred up fervor and passion and excitement in me. I had the hots for her. This idea of zeal. What if, what if, we, what if we got the hots for the lost? You understand what I mean when I say that. What if we got the hots for our enemies? Let me ask you this question and we'll close. You remember that old saying, a colloquialism, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Let me ask you this. 
What came first, the prayer or the zeal? What came first, the zeal or the prayer? Do you think that Epaphras won three cities and prayed for three cities because he was zealous? Or do you think he became zealous for them because he was praying? I'm going to tell you right now, his zeal was a result of his prayer. He was obedient to the cause of Christ. He, he went, Jesus said to the disciples, go first to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Here is Epaphras going to the uttermost parts of the world, obeying the cause of Christ, and he is praying and interceding for these people in three different cities. Guess what? He gets pretty zealous for them in the process. He got the hots for the lost in those three cities. Why? Because he prayed for them. You need to quit waiting for zeal to show up before you pray. Come on, man, that's good. That's tweetable. You need to quit waiting for zeal first and start to just pray. Start to intercede. Start to supplicate for these people in your life. Why is it? It's because when you pray for someone, you're making a spiritual investment into their future. You're making a spiritual investment into their future. And the investment you are making has an effect in their life. James chapter 5 says, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man makes much power available. When I am praying for someone, I'm making an investment into their future and I'm unleashing the power of God into their situation. Don't wait for zeal to stir you up to do that. Just start doing it and the zeal will follow. I think of John Maxwell, who's one of my favorites, favorite guy on leadership. He always says this. He says, you're more likely to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Zeal for this stuff is going to come as we begin to devote ourselves to it and to practice it. I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you this week. When you get up to do your morning devotions, when you, whenever it is that you spend time with God, if it's in the car, if it's in wherever, I want you to go beyond just your own needs for a bit. I want you to venture out into perhaps new territory. Start to pray and supplicate for everybody. Ask the Lord. Here's, here's, here's something you can do. Ask the Lord, Lord, who, who is it that you're going to put on my heart that I need to pray for? And then prepare yourself to be obedient for whoever he puts on your heart. It may not be the person you think. It may not be the person you want to pray for. It may be somebody that you never had closure with them. I know for me, God's challenged me in this way regarding a, a, a friend of mine. Somebody who I felt did me wrong. I had to shift my prayer life. I had to get beyond being angry at this guy for what I thought he took from me. And I actually had to shift the other direction and go, Lord, I pray that he is so abundantly blessed. I pray that his life and family are abundantly blessed. I pray that his church grows. I pray that his ministry multiplies. Bless him with stuff, Lord. Bless him with a bigger house. 
Bless him with better cars. Bless him with everything that he needs. I pray for him. I supplicate on his behalf. I wanted to punch this guy in the teeth, but what I really was doing was getting outside of that and going, no, 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 no. It's more important for me that I pray for him. You know what it did? It unlocked zeal in my life. Now I like to pray for him. You could win a city. You could be like Epaphras and pray for three cities. You could change the world. I asked you, who wants to be used by God? Amen. Yeah, amen. I want to be used by God too. Let's learn to pray beyond ourselves. Let's get selfless in our prayer. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.